Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. Tell me more about that, please. <laughs> well, I was in high school and there was a talent show and a bunch of my buds and I decided we would do something. And so we put together this incredibly corny routine. It was done in silhouette behind a um, a sheet with backlighting so that, you know. Oh, I've seen those. And yeah. They're quite funny. So they could just see our silhouettes. And so we had a patient that we put down on the table and we were doing surgery. And one of the surgeons pulled out a can <laughs> of something, you know, and said, oh, see, cancer. Oh. And I reached in and pulled out two more cans and said, tumor. Oh, <laughs> yeah, tumor. I, yeah. it, it was extremely corny. We did not win any prizes that day, by yeah. the way. It was that bad. Actually, I remember as a little girl, of course, you, you were an old man by then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember so seeing that type of skit, and it was actually quite funny to see what they could do when we couldn't see the full reality. Yeah. We could only see like a shadow of the reality, and they could fool us. Yeah, you know? well, people who are skilled at that sort of thing actually make it turn out to look really interesting and, and very sharp. But we were not skilled, and we were not good, and the jokes were corny. <laughs> you know, for me, it's very interesting learning English as a second language that veil eventually becomes a verb in English. And mm -hmm. so we use it for unveiling or veiling something, meaning that when there is a veil, we don't see fully. We kind of see, we get a glimpse, but we don't get the real thing. And what we learn today is that the crucifixion of Jesus kind of tore apart the veil, unveiling that which was going on behind the scenes, mm -hmm. unveiling the truth about who God is and what he is like. Yeah, this is a pivotal time in the history of salvation, because if you remember the Old Testament, had a sacrificial system that mm -hmm. was teaching a lot about Jesus' ministry. Actually, the whole tabernacle, the, the whole sanctuary of Israel, every part of it, it had something to do with the ministry of Jesus. Yes, it did. It all pointed forward to the salvation that would be won for us by Jesus' death and his sacrifice on Calvary. And that's really what we've read about up through yesterday. We read up to the point where Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now we want to go ahead from there and talk about the lifting of a veil with the, the death of Jesus. We start this now with verse 35 of Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. And when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered in a loud cry and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple, this is verse 38, this is the pivotal verse, and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, the veil of the temple um, symbolized something very important that we're going to talk to you about in a moment, and it was torn from top to bottom to show that this was a divine Act. This is not something that the priests of the temple could have uh, done because, of course, they would have torn it from bottom to top. This is a huge veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And those of you that have ordered the, the free booklet that I have written on Matthew, the actual cover of the book has this very um, graphic, mm -hmm. a priest pointing to the veil and the veil being torn and the cross of Jesus Christ showing behind it to show that this pivotal moment. That's right. And of course, this veil between the holy and most holy place, no one could enter into the most holy place except for once a year, the high priest would enter in there. That's where the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory was. And of course, this is saying that, that uh, 
Jesus' death has torn that apart, revealing the Father to us completely. We find uh, a description of this veil uh, that existed here in the between the holy and most holy place in Exodus chapter 26, starting with verse 31. And it says, And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, and it shall be made with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia wood with gold, uh, their hooks also being of gold, on four sockets of silver. And you shall hang up the veil under the clasp, and shall bring in the ark of the testimony where within the veil, and the veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. This is, um, like we said, the tabernacle, the sanctuary, and how everything in this place was a symbol of Christ and his salvific work, and this veil would separate uh, the most holy place from the Holy of Holies, which was the place that only would be entered into by the high priest only once a year, the Day of Atonement. And you can read more about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16. It was a very special day in which all the sins of the people of Israel were being blotted out of mm-hmm. the camp, per se. And, and th- that word atonement means basically in English we could break it down at one mint. It, it is the day that Israel became at one with the Father by the blood out of sins by the, the use of the blood. Yes, how could it be that a holy God would dwell with unholy people? And right. the Day of Atonement was the day that explained that. And if you want to go over this process, it was it was a wonderfully graphic process where all this uh, blood was being shed, uh, even for the high priest's sake, so that he would be also in the presence of God. He had mm-hmm. to shed this blood to be able to get to the most holy place, etc. Now, I want to tell you that there is a book in the, in the New Testament, the book of mm-hmm. Hebrews. That really talks about this in great detail, really. Yes, actually, it talks about all the Old Testament sacrificial mm-hmm. system and takes all those things and explains how is it that these things had to do with Jesus Christ. And there are mainly four premises that... The we, we need to go through this book eventually. I think we ought to take an entire uh, <clears throat> month and study the book of Hebrews. It's a fascinating study. But uh, go ahead. I, I just well, interrupted you. But, <laughs> okay. but that's only to get back because you interrupt me so often. So keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the book of Hebrews shows that uh, this... The, the, that the new covenant is a better covenant, a better sacrifice, right. a better priest, and a better covenant. So, uh, this is very interesting because it takes all the Old Testament things and shows that when we understand how they are made a reality in Christ, then we fully understand what they meant. And the veil is one of those things that the book of Hebrew talks about. And maybe we should just take a moment to read four or five verses for Let's you. Let's take a look here at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us, the veil that is his flesh. See, here is very interesting because it says, when he died, he inaugurated a new uh, way for us directly to God, no longer through a sacrificial system because he was the sacrifice. And it says, the veil really was his flesh. Mm-hmm. And once it was torn, then, then we, we could had... Go, we could go into God. Absolutely. We have access to the Father. Maybe you want to read two verse, more verses. Verse 21, mm-hmm. and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts... Um, 
sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I, I love this verse yeah. because it's using all the language that was used at that time in the sacrificial system. It was sprinkled with blood to be able to get into the most holy place. And here it says, look, when Jesus died, the veil was forever torn because the veil represented his flesh. And now we have full access. So please draw near to God in full assurance of faith because this has already happened. Yeah. And of course, the author of Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly before God the Father because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We can come boldly. We can ask things of him because we have access to the Father because of the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, we don't use in our church the custom of confession to another human being mm -hmm. because we believe that we have direct access uh, to God and that Jesus Christ at the cross actually purchased not only the redemption of our sins, not only the privilege and the opportunity to bless us and give us peace, but also this direct connection with God. That's right. Now, let's continue with our story here in, in uh, Mark chapter 15. And we've just uh, talked about Jesus being um, breathing his last, the, the veil being torn. In verse 39, we have a wonderful confession of faith in this. And verse 39, and when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Mark has even the centurion, a Roman official, saying, no, this is God's Son. Many times in the Gospel of Mark, those that realize who Jesus is are not the religious people. Mm -hmm. And here we have the centurion. A centurion, of course, was a Roman officer that was in charge of 100 soldiers. That's why we have the the, the word cent, mm -hmm. in, in, like century. Century, yeah, centurion. <laughs> so the centurion was in charge of 100 people, and he just saw Jesus died, and still he proclaims that this man is the Son of God. Mark is telling us that it is the death of Jesus, the way that he did not come off the cross, that convinces us that is indeed he is God. The, the priest, the rabbis, they were all saying, come down from the cross and then we'll believe. It is precisely because he did not come down from the cross that we believe. Precisely because he stayed there and suffered and died for us that we know this is God's Son. Yeah, what kept Jesus on the cross? And many people say, well, the nails. No, absolutely no, 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 no. not. Because he had the power to come down from the cross. Yes. What kept Jesus on the cross was his love for you and the fact that he had decided once and for all to break this distance, this obstacle between God and humanity. And when he died, we no longer see substance and glimpses uh, and shadows, shadows like we did in the Old Testament. Now at the cross, the shadows become substance and right. type becomes anti-type. Here we see the real thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is love that kept him there, love that sent him in the first place, the love of the Father, the love of the Son for you. Not desiring that you should ever be separated from him, he longs for you to experience intimacy with him throughout eternity. That's why Jesus came, to pay your penalty so that the veil would be torn and you would have access to the Father. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He has taken away your sin. You have direct access to God and very, very soon, you will live with Him forever. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus 101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus 101 Media. Until next time, live free. Woohoo!